0: Oh, you're grabbing your seat. I love it. I love it. It is so good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you today, Real Life. I am uh, I'm so thankful that you're here with us today and believe that God has you here for a reason. Uh, if you're new to Real Life, uh, we are in the middle of a remodel project, and this is our first Sunday in this new temporary auditorium space. How's it feeling so far? Pretty good? Yeah, it's feeling good. Uh, I am glad, so glad that you're here and thankful that... Uh God has us here together. I am Richie, our lead pastor, and I just wanna say welcome, and I'm super thankful for these moments together, super thankful for you. I wanna say thank you to everyone who gives financially around here. I was really reflecting at the end of the year here. We did kind of an ask for a year-end gift, and so many people gave, and so many dollars came in. It was was over $48,000 above and beyond our normal giving in a month. It was just amazing to watch the generosity of God through so many of you. And I think about that as just an awesome statement of of God's faithfulness in our lives and the way that he led each of you individually to give in that way. That was God doing that in each of your lives. It wasn't some kind of thing that that made it happen. It was 100% God doing that in you. And that's how good God is. He's able to speak to each one of us individually and then collectively when we all come together with that simple act of obedience, God does miracles in our midst. And that $48,000 is a miracle. I I just got to celebrate it that way with you because God is so good and so faithful in our lives. And I want to encourage you to start this year off that way with a simple act of obedience. When it comes to our finances, it's an opportunity for us to trust God with obedient hearts to his leadership in our lives. He calls us to tithe. It's a Bible word for 10th or 10% of our income is what we give to the Lord. We give it here as a part of the local church that we are a part of. And many of you have been practicing that. And I wanna say thank you for that. Many of you have not yet embarked on that adventure of God's faithfulness and provision in your life. I wanna call you to that this year and see how God is faithful in your life as you learn to give financially, as you trust him faithfully. Uh, We put together our did an amazing job of putting together this annual report, all kinds of celebration of what God did through all the finances here over this last year. I want you to make sure if you're interested in all the ways uh, that these dollars have made impacts around here, I want you to grab one of these on the way out the door. It's just an opportunity for us to celebrate together God's faithfulness and uh, be reminded of, man, every dollar that, that comes in here is used for God's glory, God's grace. Lives are being changed. People are being set free hearts are being moved and transformed this is an absolute miracle that we are a part of and i want you to be able to celebrate with us on that all right grab that on the way out the door can we just say thank you to god one more time put our hands together for his faithfulness in our lives awesome 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 oh it is good it is good to be together in the new year i'm glad you're here today to kick off this new year with us and uh really really excited for this four-part conversation that we're starting today Uh, it It is a conversation all about us learning to have a passion for the presence of God. I believe that in God's presence everything can change. Wherever you've been stuck or sick or broken or or um, just in, in any kind of bondage, anywhere that you maybe needed discouragement or needed encouragement because you've been discouraged, God can change anything and everything just with a moment in his presence. And I think that, that for us to consider the way that God might move and speak and lead this year in each of our lives individually and us collectively as a church, it's important for us to develop maybe a, a desire, a passion for his presence. It's not just something that you trip into or just kind of happen along to. It actually takes a, an intentional thought and effort from each of us to move into God's presence. Here's the good news, is that you and I can walk into the presence of God. We can experience presence of God because of Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus coming, dying on the cross, saving us from our sins, we would be at a distance from God. But when you and I have put our faith in Jesus Christ, we now can draw near to God. And the good news is that God says, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That we have an opportunity to experience His presence in real powerful life-changing ways is such an encouragement uh, to us. And, and and my hope is that um, this would be a year that's marked by our hunger, our desire for God's presence. You can imagine a scale of zero to 100 in your desire meter <laughs> for God's presence. And you might find yourself um, at a two or you might find yourself at a 98. Wherever you are in that scale, here's my hope is that all of us would be encouraged over these next four weeks to take a step forward in our hunger and our passion for For the presence of God. And watch what God does when we seek Him intentionally and we desire His presence to be moving here in our midst in a real and a powerful way. I believe that God wants to speak, move, reveal, change, transform uh, so much in each of our lives. But it takes us going, God, am am I hungry? Am I desiring Your presence as a follower of You? Are we collectively desiring the presence of God? This conversation has kind of sprung out of a season for us as a team. I got challenged in the fall by uh, somebody that was speaking into my life, that looking at our staff and our team and looking at our church, going, hey, Richie, it seems like your church is very active and very busy and lots going on and lots of activity. And if you ask my wife, that seems to fall in line with my life and the way that I kind of operate. I'm very kind of going after things, doing stuff. I mean, our day's off. It's like, what can I do? How can I, what can I fix? What do we need to, you know, she's like, ooh, babe, chill out. Like, you need to learn to kind of just relax a little bit. And this, this guy said the same thing about us as a church collectively. He's watching, listening, and Oh, man, it seems like you guys are very busy and active and lots going on. I wonder, are you being intentional about really seeking and discerning God's leading and his direction in the life of this church? Or are you just kind of making up for any disconnect with God with activity and busyness? And so we we intentionally as a team, elders, staff team, just said, you know what, let's spend the next few months dialing back some of the hectic busyness and the, the kind of the... Uh, pace that we are running at, and let's intentionally seek God together and see what God might say. Let's discern together what God's leadership would be for us as a church. And it's just amazing. And we we decided to set a, a, a day aside every week to fast together. Every meeting and every conversation, we began with times of prayer and seeking God together and discerning God together. We began asking the question over and over and over again to each other, what is God saying? What are you hearing What is it that God's leading and pressing on your heart and begin listening to each other? And over and over and over again, it just seemed like this theme was emerging in our hearts that God is so interested in the kind of people that we are becoming, even more so than the things that we are accomplishing and doing. And for me, this was just so important that I would ground my heart and my vision and my leadership in this spot right here. God, help us to become the kind of people that that you want us to be. Think about your character, the essence, the, the, the way you make decisions, the way that you and I lead these lives. There is a way about us. And it seems like the Spirit of God is wanting to get into that. Not just like looking at our religious activity with a kind of a stamp of approval going oh yeah you're you're a follower of Jesus you're a Christian way to go like but actually wanting to, to look at how we discern our lives and our decisions and get into the character and the essence of the very nature of who we are and are we are we being changed into the likeness of Jesus in those places or or are we kind of just bought into a surfacey uh, Christianity that looks and does the part and kind of does the stuff, but, but is missing the heart, the passion, the, the joy, the excitement of knowing God and knowing his presence and experiencing him in intimate and powerful ways. And man, what's so cool is as, we were, as we've been seeking God together, the fruit has been overwhelming to watch the unity in our team grow. To watch the passion and the joy in our team grow. These things that, you know, if you set out a plan, you know what, we should, we should build a plan on how to become more unified. I don't think we could have got there the way God has gotten us there. And, and I love that. Like God has things that he wants to do in your life and things that he wants to, to to fruit that he wants to produce in your life that the only way that he can get you to that fruitful place is if you would honestly, with, with a heart of integrity, come before him and allow him to bring that about in you. If you just going off on your own and me just setting off on a mission to accomplish whatever it is that I feel like I need to accomplish, man, I could miss so much of what God wants to do in my life and through my life. And so I come at this conversation today with all of these last three or four months of like God refining me and us as a team and wanting to develop us and wanting, I think, for us as a church to go, all right, what does it look like for us to be a people who are actually passionate about his presence? What, what would it take for that to be growing inside of us? Each week here, we're going to be talking about different practices. Today, fasting. Next week, prayer, scripture, worship. These pieces that that help foster a passion for his presence in your life individually and us collectively. These are practices uh, traditionally maybe called disciplines, but they're really an effort and intentional steps that we are taking to be in the presence of God and to grow that meter. If you're at a two, God, get us to a 10, get us to a 20. If you're at a 98, God, get me to a 100. Wherever that next step is of my passion for your presence, help it to grow. And I think that all of us have resonated at some point, maybe even right now, where you felt maybe kind of stuck spiritually, like maybe disconnected from God. Like you don't really know what he wants with your life. You're not even sure if he likes you at all. Maybe maybe you haven't heard his voice ever or in a long time in your life, that disconnect. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody feel that before? You think about your marriage. We, my wife and I talk about this all the time. When we feel disconnected, it's much more of a relational thing, isn't it, than just like a, a how-to guide to get reconnected to God? And so we come into this month going, okay, God, we're going to enter into some practices and you know, we're not exactly sure what more connection with you looks like or intimacy looks like with you, but, God, we want to come. So listening to a guy that studied revival, he's a revivalist, and revival is really a, a special moment in history where God has moved in powerful and miraculous ways, where people have experienced uh, God in, in really life-changing ways, salvation like crazy, lots of people come into faith in Jesus Christ, and it's unexplainable how much God is working in. This guy, as he studied all these revivals, he's looked around and he's come to this conclusion. I was listening to him this spring and he said, you know what? Uh, What I've seen, a theme in every one of these revivals throughout history is this. God moves where he's wanted. He's moved in the lives of people where they are hungering, desiring God's presence. He's changed cities and transformed families and he's moved in hearts and lives where those people actually hunger desire God to be there in a powerful way. People that are okay just doing life on their own, God doesn't force himself into those situations or put people in headlocks. That's not how God works. If you don't seek God, you don't find God. But if you seek God, then you find him. And I think that this is this is the the hope of this conversation over this next month is to really be a people that are intentionally seeking God's presence, knowing and believing that his presence is available for every single one of us. And so today I want to talk about fasting as one of those practices to help us understand God's presence. Develop a passion for His presence. We put this guide, this uh, prayer and fasting guide, on your seat. That's for you. Take it with you. Um, you could even look at it. And, and some of this conversation is in here. But fasting as a as a discipline is. Maybe you've heard of it as like intermittent fasting or a dieting plan. That's not what we're talking about. This is a spiritual practice. And it's an intentional practice to deny yourself usually food. That's what it looks like in Scripture. I know we've got all kinds of other inputs that um, grab our attention and our affection, social media, um, uh, TV, you know, music. All these things are making deposits into our life. Even our desire for food is, is driving our decisions, our time, our, our energy, our focus. And the point of fasting is to take all those attachments that have kind of glommed on to your soul. I mean, you're listening to music, you're watching a show, you're, you're seeing a commercial, you're in these conversations with people that are unhealthy in your life, and every one of those inputs is actually making kind of like a little deposit, and it's almost like building up a callus on your soul, and a hardness of your heart starts to grow. And then fasting is intentionally starting to cut those things off of your heart in your life that are cluttering out your desire for God's presence. Maybe there are things that have, you've been going to that are kind of making you feel comfort or peace or a level of, of security. Uh, all kinds of attachments become those. And we are intentionally going, no, I want God to be my security. God, I want your presence to be my peace. You, God, in Your voice, to be my direction. I don't want that feed or that person online to be my direction. I want You, God, to be the direction of this life. And and, and so fasting is that intentional process. It could be a meal, it could be a day, it could be weeks. We're gonna I'm gonna invite you into a 21 day fast starting tomorrow. Some of you have never like done that, or you're gonna have to pray about what that looks like for you individually. Um, but for you to really be proactive over these next 21 days. And go, okay, God, what would that look like for me? Maybe it's a meal a day. Maybe it's um, um, everything for the next week or whatever. You know, just pray through that. Look at this fasting, God, and make that decision. But I want to help you understand what fasting is today. Matthew chapter 9. If you've got a Bible, would you open there to Matthew chapter 9? This is Jesus teaching about fasting. And I always look to Jesus in these moments because there's uh, so much about his life and leadership that we are modeling our lives after. This is, he is the author and the perfector of this faith, so what, what he says is what we are following as a church. And John the Baptist uh, has been on the scene baptizing people and preaching this baptism of repentance, and people are coming out into the desert and being baptized. and John has disciples that are following him. And these disciples come to Jesus because they've got a question. So when it says John's disciples, that's who he's talking about here. John the Baptist, his disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees, they're speaking of another religious group that have kind of been the religious leaders of that day. How come it is that we fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Good question. Jesus' disciples are apparently not fasting, and everybody who's spiritual fasts Jesus. Why is it like that? Why aren't they fasting? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? That's kind of a cryptic answer, Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, he's painting the picture of all of eternity. Jesus, um, throughout Scripture, is painted as this picture of the groom in his church, the people that put their faith in him, like those of us in this room, that have said yes to Jesus, are the bride. The bride of Christ is his church. And at one point, Jesus, uh, this is when he's walking on the planet Earth, he's teaching, eventually he goes to the cross, he dies, he's buried in the grave, he's resurrected from the dead. And then after a few weeks, he actually ascends into heaven with this promise, I'm coming again. And that promise, the fulfillment of that promise is always kind of known as this great wedding banquet. The day when the groom will finally come for his bride. And he will gather us all up together in this great feast, this celebration where we'll be with God forever in this real place in eternity called heaven. And those that don't have their faith in Jesus will be separated in a real place called hell. And so there's this great anticipation building in people's lives of like that day when Jesus, the groom comes for his bride, we cannot wait. So Jesus is painting and leaning into that picture right here. How can the guests, speaking of his disciples, how can they, the, the, the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? Why would they be mourning right now? Because I'm right here with them. Time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. That's when he ascends into heaven. Then they will fast. Then he goes into this next kind of piece. Listen to this. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For that patch will pull away from the garment and make make the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, no, no. They pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Lots to talk about here for a second. But I I want you to catch this. Fasting in Jesus' mind seems to be connected to mourning, loss, and distance. Why would they be fasting while I'm right here? But when I'm gone, then they should fast. When I'm distant, separate, when they feel this loss or this disconnect, that's what fasting is for. So I want you to catch this in your own relationship with God. You find yourself at a disconnect from God. That is an awesome opportunity for you to initiate a fast in your life. For you to not think of fasting as some super spiritual elite people. Those It's for anyone spiritually, that feels disconnected, feels that loss, you are now by fasting intentionally putting your body in a place that mimics your soul. I feel disconnected from God. I'm going to intentionally put hunger in this body to remind me of how desperate I need to be connected to God. Does that make sense for you today? You're tracking with me? That, that is what fasting really is, and Jesus seems to be leaning into that traditional, it's kind of a cultural norm for them, that when somebody would die in their mourning, that they would go into a period of fasting. But it also has a very spiritual implication in it as well. I want you to catch that. But then there's this whole conversation about patches and wineskins. Did you catch that? Like, whoa, this is very figurative language. What is this? Well, there's this idea that Jesus is putting in front of, of John the Baptist's disciples, helping them to understand that you guys have a way of doing things. You have this garment, or you have this wineskin that's been filled with wine, and the wine has been put in there, and it's fermented, and as it ferments, it expands. So so there's not anything new that you should be putting into that wineskin, or there's not some new patch that you should be sewing on that old garment, because that's already shrunk. It's it's already kind of gone through that process of change. And, and the way that you have been doing things has gotten you to where you are. And if you want to experience God in the, the new way, the new wine that God wants your life, then you need to adjust the way that you are looking at and thinking about all of this spiritually. There was kind of a a blockade in their minds of trying to understand who Jesus was, what he was about while he was here on on earth, and and they just couldn't quite fit Jesus in their box, if you know what I'm saying. And he's like, yes, exactly, because I don't fit in that box. If you're going to experience the wine that that I have for you, in, in scripture, wine is always a picture of God's love and blessing. Isn't that cool? And if you're going to experience that, then you you need to create some new wineskins. You need to get out of your rut, out of your old patterns, and you actually need to fashion a new wineskin that I could fill with this new wine. Because I don't want that old wineskin to burst when the love of God starts expanding inside your heart. I want you to experience the fullness of who I am and what I want to do in your lives. And so there's this, there's this idea of like getting out of the, the stuck spot, out of the ruts of our kind of religious ways and, and actually giving God room to do something new in our lives. Isn't that cool? Fasting is that. It's an opportunity. We create space in our lives for God to show up in a new and more powerful way. If you feel like spirituality and religion has been a rut for you, you've been stuck and you haven't known how to get unstuck, fasting is a way to begin to create that margin for God to do something new, speak new things, show you different things, help you overcome difficulties that you've been stuck in for a long time. But it takes you and I being intentional about the kind of wineskin that we are bringing to God, the opportunity that we are giving God. God will do his part. But but he asks us to do our part. That's what Jeremiah 29 is so good. Uh, the, the prophet, God is speaking through the prophet to the people. And God says to the people, you will seek me and you will find me. Listen, when. I love the word when. You want to circle the word when because there's this idea of like, if I don't, then, I, then it won't happen. But when you seek me with all your heart, that's when you'll find me. The word all is so important there because it's, it's, an, it's an invitation for us to go, oh, on my scale of one to hundred, I've, I've been content at a, at a four or seven. Maybe you've been content at an 83. And, and you've just kind of like, this has been my way spiritually, the way it's gone. This is how God speaks to me. You've said these things with this kind of finality. And it's like fasting becomes this invitation to go, well, what if God wants to do more? What if God wants to speak in greater ways and change stuff about you and transform your attitudes and your motives? And, and, and fasting just creates that room for God to do something supernatural in your life that maybe you've never given him room to do. This is fasting. Matthew 22, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And uh, I love this question because it's religious guys trying to get to the heart of their religion. They're trying to check all the boxes and make sure that they don't miss any. They're also kind of trying to trap Jesus at the same time. And Jesus answers in, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 37. He says, love the Lord your God. This is, this is his answer. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all, listen to the word all, with all your heart, with all your soul all your mind. I emphasize the word all there because it's so important that we recognize that there is more for us to expand in our intentionality, in our desire, in our passion, in our in our expectancy, in our hopefulness, right? That there is more for us to, to move into and there's opportunity. When it says all, there's always more of all, right? Like, there is not this finish line that we're going to get to of our desire and our passion for God's presence. There is always more that encompasses all. So when when I hear God saying that, there's this massive invitation. Would you become a people that seek me, that long for me, that love me with everything you've got? I don't know if you've ever been around people that are absolutely on fire. They're infectious, right? and you just can't help but be kind of like want to be like them or be, be around them some more. Like That's kind of what Jesus is saying. Be so just passionate and infectious with your love for me that people around you can obviously see that something is so powerfully changing inside you. Like this is the kind of all that Jesus is inviting us into. Love me with all of that you got. And, man, this, this to me is, is the essence of fasting is going, all right, God. That's, that's where I'm, I'm at today. That's why I'm missing this meal. That's why I'm intentionally going into this season. Because I know that there's more that you want to say, more that you want to change, more that you want to do, more that you want to speak, God, more that you want in this life. I want to give you all I have. One more piece that I think is important for us to, to touch on when it comes to fasting is Matthew chapter six. Another, if you flip back just a few pages there in your your Bible, Jesus is teaching about fasting specifically here. And I think it's important because spirituality has always been one of those things that's just like, it's weird, it's like, as soon as we humans get involved, we kinda mess things up, oftentimes. You You look at a sport, you look at an activity, an art, and within each of those categories, maybe it's business or, or sales or whatever it is, in each of those categories, there's like um, success and failure. And there's measurement sticks that we've created. And, and we look at each other, kind of judge each other based off of, you know, our successes, their failures, or vice versa. I feel like inadequate because they're so successful and I'm so miserable, right? Like we have this scale, whatever category, religion, we create that with religion as well. And Jesus is warning us, don't do that when it comes to fasting. Don't do that same kind of measuring system. He says in Matthew 6, verse 16, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. As who does? Hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? It's the poser, right? Like playing a good game, but inside they're absolutely nothing. (laughs) We were talking in the lobby with a friend of mine, and he was asking about, you know, golf and all these things, and it's like, it's fun to talk about those activities, but I've always kind of been cautious. I don't want to be the guy with all the gear and zero game, right? Like, you know, you got like, I got old clubs that were given to me. It's not like, you know, because I don't feel like I, I can really live up to a really good set of clubs or whatever, because I'm not that good. And, and, and I think that Jesus is like, those are the hypocrites, right? that they put on a good show like look at me i'm so spiritual because i'm fasting they they, they he says don't look somber as the hypocrites do You should not think about this spiritually what he's saying like how often spiritually we put on this face that says you know life is hard and i'm really struggling right now and i'm i'm just getting through it and i could really use your prayer and like i'm not minimizing hardship in our lives but Jesus is like, hey, you're actually putting yourself intentionally. When you fast, you're putting yourself in a hard spot. <laughs> Don't wear it like a badge of honor, right? Don't put it on like it's some like you know, kind of measuring stick of your spirituality. Those people, they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Whoa, in full, that's it. Whatever recognition you get from other people, hey, that's cool that you're fasting. Oh, you must be spiritual. (laughs) Usually nobody says anything, you just feel good inside yourself, right? Like, whew, I'm I'm taking a step up. You know, like, he's like, that's your reward. That's it, in full. Our motives matter in our fasting. Why we're doing this matters so much. He says, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, when you fast, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to put oil on your head, wash your face, put yourself together, people. Right? Like It will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only, only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Think about this. You have a choice of rewards. People kind of your own accolades, your own like feeling good about yourself or your father in heaven. When I think about a reward from God in fasting, there's, there's this powerful, powerful word that I always think about when I think about fasting, it's intimacy, closeness. And it's, it's much more mysterious than, than I think we make out spiritual things to be. Oftentimes we look at fasting, we may be tempted to be like, it's, it's, you know, it's some quarters that I got in my pocket. I'm going to deposit them in the vending machine, make my selection, and out comes closeness with God. And if we're not careful, if we're not watching our heart and our motives, we'll find ourselves in that spot. It's this transaction. But intimacy is something much more mysterious than that, isn't it? It's an ingredient of, of all kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's like a soup that really has no, like, real clear ingredients, but it tastes amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like a good cook in the room. You understand what I'm saying? You don't follow the recipe. You just know that's not going to taste good. A little more of that will taste really good. Right? That's intimacy. And fasting becomes this opportunity for that to be your reward. Closeness with your Father in heaven. Clarity of his voice in your life. An opportunity to have things illuminated in your soul that need to be changed. That God wants to empower you to change and transform in you. Healing reconciliation, things that you had maybe kind of dismissed out of hand that were out of your life, people that you had discarded out of your life, the Spirit of God now has room to do whatever God wants to do. Like that feels so vulnerable, doesn't it? But I think that's the mysterious part of intimacy is making yourself open to another. That's where intimacy is developed. Closed off, no. No intimacy. Self-preserving, no intimacy. No intimacy. Worried about how that's going to affect you or what's going to have to change. This is why a lot of us don't fast and don't embark on more spiritual things because I'm good where I'm at. I got my salvation, God. Thank you. Now leave me alone to live my life. And if we're not careful, this becomes the story of our spirituality. When God has blessing and favor, he has a reward that he wants to pour out in our lives. He has so much new wine that he wants to pour into your life that you are... Keeping yourself closed off from by not engaging in these kinds of practices in your life. And so I want to I encourage you that this fasting is something that is really important for all of us to consider. In fact, I would say it like this. If you want to get unstuck spiritually, if you want to experience God in more powerful and in life-changing ways, you need to learn, learn, learn is the operative word, learn to fast. Nobody's like great at this. We're all learning together. That's what I love about real life, right? Nobody's like perfect and got it all figured out. We all come from all of our crazy, broken backgrounds that all of us have come out of, but by the grace of God, he is helping us to become the people that he has called us and designed us to be. Fasting is a process of learning, of developing this habit, this discipline, this practice in your life. And I would say this just to help encourage you today. When I look at scripture, the whole of scripture indicates that that fasting is not an if, it's a when. It's not for the spiritually elite. It is for everyone that wants to be close to God. And here's my hope, is that that would be every one of us. That every single one of us who are experiencing the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ would say, God, I want more of you in my life. I want more of your kingdom in my family. I want more of your priorities in my marriage. I want more of you in this life. And that is really the the dream of, of all of this, is that we would develop a passion in our heart for the presence of God. That we wouldn't stay at a distance from God and be content with a stuck spirituality, but we would have a hunger inside of us to learn, to grow in our spirituality. And God, if fasting is part of that, then I'm in. I don't know how to do it, but help me, God. There's a lot that you can learn just by getting in and trying it. And I think for for each of us just to to have that courage to just get started is really what this conversation today is about. At the bottom of this fasting guide, just this word fast, F-A-S-T. David Platt wrote this and I thought it was so helpful. When you fast, one f F, focus on God. That's the point of this. It's not something to be distracted by. Even, you know, we're gonna get... Many of us are going to do a Daniel fast, which is like, like eat this, don't eat that kind of stuff. Fruits and vegetables and nuts and all. And, and it kind of, if you're not careful, it becomes like a list of do's and don'ts. That's not the point of fasting. To be focused on what you can and can't eat. Like, just make a plan and follow the plans. Don't like every day, well, can I eat this? Or, you know, like you're not focusing on the right thing. All right. Just eat whatever and focus on God. <laughs> That's the point of it. Right. Focus on God. A is from food, any any addictive thing that has consumed your soul. S to substitute your time. Again, it's not a diet. That time that you're not eating is to be substituted to be seeking God in his presence. That's what it's for, is to set that time, that energy, that focus aside to, to be close to God. And T is to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I love that because fasting really is, like he says, the feasting. In the presence of God. It's intentionally choosing to feast on God's presence and not be so consumed with all these other things that tend to clutter up our soul. My dream is that over these next few weeks here in January, that God would put a passion in us for his presence, that we would become a people that have a real hunger and a passion for his presence in our lives, that we are not content with our spirituality where it's been, but but seeking God to grow us and to help us become people who are more passionate, more on fire, more hungry for what he wants to do in our lives. And, and, and I have this picture in my head of like anytime like you sit down in your daily time, just you and Jesus, like you've got your Bible or your Bible reading app and you have these moments that you're intentionally focusing on God. My dream is that those moments would be moments where God's presence is real and powerful, meeting you, speaking to you, healing you, changing you. Or when you get together with your small group and that that's not just like a good group conversation that we followed the guideline and we answered all the questions and we did the Bible study, but it's actually like the presence of God is meeting you there in that home or that coffee shop or wherever you find yourselves together and his presence begins to shape you and change you reorganize your life and your priorities. When we gather in services like this, that there is a palpable hunger for God in this room when we walk into this place, that people actually come in experiencing the presence of God, His love and His grace in a way that's that's overwhelming and just brings people to their knees. Like, what if, what if somebody didn't know Jesus, but they walked in this room and they experienced Jesus face-to-face because of our collective hunger for His presence, a passion inside of us for His presence? That's the dream that God has put in my heart, and that's what I believe God wants to to, to stir in us. Fasting is a part of that. Starting tomorrow, that's when our... 21-day fast begins, and it's an invitation. Obviously, you could choose not to participate in it, but I want to invite you to really prayerfully today, tomorrow, really pray about what would that look like for me. Use this guide to help you discern what that fast looks like for you. And and really intentionally over this next 21 days, seek God in a new way. Create some new wineskins for God to fill in your life in a more powerful and more miraculous way. Man, I believe that if we would do that, we will experience God in a really, really cool way. I don't know what the fruit of it's gonna be. Honestly, I have no outcome in mind, but I'm believing that God is gonna do supernatural things because when we give God room to do the things that God does, man, they are extraordinary, aren't they? Because it's move of God, it's the work of God. It's not our human effort making something happen. It is the miraculous work of God in our lives, in our families, and in our church, in our city. Our city needs Jesus in a miraculous way. They don't just need another church that's up here going through our motions, doing our religious stuff. They need people that are on fire for Jesus, right? Like that is who we want to become. God, help us. Help us to become those kind of people.